Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV is presented by the Basketball Tournament. Syracuse fans, the Basketball Tournament is coming to Syracuse this July 22-25. to Catch all the action live at SRC Arena as the Syracuse alumni team, Bayheim's Army, looks to defend their 2021 championship and win $1 million back-to-back. Tickets start at just $12 per game and you'll catch Bayheim's Army up to three times. Don't miss it. Tickets available now at thetournament.com slash Syracuse. That's the tournament.com forward slash Syracuse. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse football's bowl chances and another round of realignment in college football. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest is our great friend and Syracuse football legend, Brendan Carney. Brendan, thanks for coming back on the program. How are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's always great to catch up with you and, uh, and Syracuse football. Yeah, Brendan, always awesome having you on the show. We'll get you started on this one. Syracuse really struggled in special teams in 2021, especially in your department of punting. They brought in Bob Lukashevsky to fill a position that was vacant all last year. How important is it to have a special teams coordinator? Yeah, they, they sure did struggle. Um, in fact, it was it was almost painful to watch a lot of the time, knowing that uh, you know they didn't have a coordinator on staff to help address um, a lot of the in-game issues that they were, you know, facing every week, uh, you know, and this might sound a, a little bit crazy. Uh, maybe some people would disagree with me on this, but, you know, I think it's as important as having an offensive or defensive coordinator in place. Um, you know, from, from an overall special teams perspective, you know, we, we went from being ranked 17th nationally in 2020 with a coordinator. Um, I think it was Justin Lustig. And then, to being ranked 117th in 2021 without a coordinator. So, you know, the old expression comes into play, the, the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, and any coach that I've had at the uh, at the collegiate level, you know, always thought of special teams as, as one-third of the game. So if one-third of what you're putting out on the field is a problem and, and costing the team, you're, you're putting yourself in a tough position to win games um, every week. And, uh, you know, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, we now have Coach Ligashevsky, you know, who's who's spent his whole career coaching special teams at the uh, NFL and collegiate levels. So, you know, I expect him to, you know, to make an immediate impact and clean up a lot of the issues with, you know, penalties, personnel and schemes that we saw them face uh, last year. Brendan, you're a three-time All-Big East punter, so I have to ask you about this group. James Williams is a scholarship sophomore now, but in an interesting move, the team brought in Australian punter Max von Marburg on scholarship as well. We both know that a lot of Ray Guy award winners have come from the land down under, but what do you think of the situation, and what does it say about the staff's confidence in James Williams' ability to stay healthy? You know, I think there was definitely a, a glaring issue at the position last year, and the staff probably feels, you know, they need to have someone, you know, that can step in and perform consistently if, 
games were to go down again. You know, injuries are tough. You know, I know we suffered one during the season last year. Um, you know, I don't know how bad the injury was, but I assume he's going to be 100% for camp, you know, and be ready to go as the starter, you know, for this season. Um, you know, but it never hurts to have someone else there to compete with or against as well. Um, you know, it's only going to make them both better, you know, what they do and, and, and you know, help out the team as well. Um, you know, we've been spoiled the last few years with three really good punters, all of which are, you know, in the NFL or on the cusp of, you know, making an NFL roster. Um, I haven't seen any film on Max. Um, you know, I did read an interview with him um, that, uh, and he seems like a, you know, a really good kid with a, with a level head. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, we, we've seen a history of, of these Australian punters coming in and having a lot of success in college football, you know, and if Max is, you know, the next Aussie to, to do that, then, you know, I'm definitely on board and, and, and going to be cheering for him. And, uh, you know, I think he's definitely going to have probably the best name in college football. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a great name. And I wanted to stay on special teams and ask you about Andre Schmidt. He had his worst season as a college kicker last year, three years removed from winning the Lou Groza Award. What do you think was going on with him, and can he turn it around? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, you know, you and I talked about him struggling a bit in the past, and, uh, you know, and I thought he was going to bounce back last year. Um, you know, I think we all know that he has all the tools. You know, we've seen what he can do when he's at his best. So I'm not really worried about, you know, his talent. Um, the kickers are, they're typically, you know, perfectionists with their crafts, just like a golfer would be, um, you know, where, you know, kickers can sometimes start to break down is by overanalyzing their situation. Uh, and, I, and I'm certainly not putting Andre on an Island with this, you know, I, I've been there in the past and a lot of former kickers that I know, you know, have been there as well, but, you know, if things aren't, you know, going our way, you know, we can often, you know, get lost and focus on the negatives as opposed to the positives. Um, you know, and I'd be willing to bet that if you compared his film from freshman year, that Lou Groza year, uh, to last year, you'd see two different kickers um, where during his freshman year, you know, he, he wasn't known yet. There weren't any real expectations. And, you know, he was out there just kind of having fun where the last few years, uh, you know, the pressure starts to mount as you gain more and more recognition. Um, so I think with Coach Ligashevsky now on board, um, you know, he'll be a tremendous resource for Andre to help him get back to that Lou Groza type season, you know, we all enjoyed watching. Let's move away from special teams for a moment. Another major change was on the offensive side of the ball. Syracuse brought in offensive coordinator Robert Anai. When you saw that move, what did you think? Yeah, well, well first I thought I was dreaming when I saw it. Um, you know, I thought there was no way we were getting, we, yeah, we were getting these guys. Um, once the deal was finalized, you know, I, I loved it. I loved the move. And I think all Syracuse fans uh, feel the same way, having, you know, Anay, um, Jason Beck, you know, and even Michael Johnson, the new, you know, wide receiver coach on board this season. Um, you know, and if you look back over the last two years, uh, you know, Dino, Dino's been able to bring on, you know, coaches, you know, specifically Tony White, the D coordinator, and Mike Schmidt, you know, the O-line coach, who have made, you know, immediate impacts uh, in the program. So I fully expect we'll see a noticeable upgrade with our offense this season. Um, you know, and they, in fact, they led a Virginia offense that finished third in the nation in total offense last year. Um, they averaged, I think it was like 34 points per game. Um, their quarterback put up some of the best stats in the country, thrown for 400 yards a game, 31 TDs, and he completed 65% of his passes. You know, so I, I think this is probably the best offensive tandem in the ACC 
and top 10 in the country, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I expect them to completely shake things up this season. You know, I'm looking forward to them throwing the ball all over the field, especially to our tight ends who have been, uh, you know, underutilized in the past. And, you know, that's going to allow uh, things to open up, um, you know, for the O-line and, and Sean Tucker to continue the, you know, their great play from, from last year. Um, you know, if you saw the spring game, we saw a little bit of trickery that they added in, which I think this team needs. Um, you know, we finally have a quarterback room that's stacked with talent. You know, I think we can assume – Schrader's probably going to get the nod, but those two transfers, Del Rio Wilson from Florida and Valari from Michigan, um, Lamson, although I think he's injured right now, he still looked pretty good in the spring game. And uh, even looking, you know, further down the road, we secured that commitment from Lenore Settlers, who was a former Virginia commit. Um, so those things are not only going to help the production on the field, you know, with these guys, but also with, uh, with recruiting as well. And Brendan, we'll get you out of here on this one. I ask you the same question when we do this podcast around the same time every year. Does this look like a bowl team to you, given the difficulty of the schedule and the personnel they've got? Yeah, so if if you look at the schedule, you know, the only teams I have, you know, real concerns with are are Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, You know, and I I know we always seem to give Clemson a game every year, but I still kind of have them as, you know, one of those top programs in the country and, uh, you know, with a low probability of, you know, beating them this year. And uh, and as much as it pains me to say, um, you know, Notre Dame is, you know, you know they're, they're just uh, a few steps ahead of us, you know, uh, right now. Um, so with those two games aside, I do think we have a really good shot with the rest of the schedule. And, uh, you know, I can't think of a better way, you know, to start the season off than against a team who's had our number the last two or three years. Right. So last year, Louisville beat us so bad. Um, you know, I wasn't sure the sun was going to come up the next day. Um, so I cannot wait for that. Friday. Yeah. I cannot wait for that Friday night game in the dome. I hope everyone turns out for it. And, uh, you know, I believe that game will set the tone for the rest of the season. Um, you know, a lot of our success will depend on the passing game. You know, can Schrader develop into that <clears throat> passing threat? Uh, or do we look to, you know, one of the other new quarterbacks that we've, you know, picked up in the off season and, uh, you know, and can our receivers step up and perform consistently? Um, I like our defense. Mikel Jones, Marlo Wax, Deuce, Garrett Williams, all those guys are back this year, um, to lead that side of the ball. You know, I think there's, there's slight concern on the D line position, but I'm looking forward to seeing how, you know, young guys develop, you know, in camp and, uh, you know, who's going to step up and make a name for themselves this year. Um, so to answer your question, uh, the last three years, I've kind of gotten myself into a little bit of trouble by saying we'll get to a bowl game. Um, you know, we always seem to come up short, uh, but I'm not ready to give up on these guys just yet. Um, so I think they get it done this year and come December, hopefully January, uh, we will be having some fun in the sun and celebrating a bowl win. Brendan, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, former Baltimore Ravens punter and three-time All-Biggie selection, Brendan Carney. Brendan, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks for the great insight. Enjoy the start of the college football season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks, Wes. Great talking to you, and uh, go Orange. Always love catching up with Brendan Carney, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, USC and UCLA sent shockwaves across the college athletics landscape. They defected from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten in one of the most stunning departures, especially from a geographic standpoint. That's going to have ripple effects all the way from the ACC to Syracuse. What are your main takeaways from this latest round of realignment? Well, I'll start with this, Wes. 
it's certainly going to be must viewing for Syracuse and ACC fans this coming week as the ACC holds its annual kickoff media event in Charlotte on Wednesday and Thursday. And a smack right there at the beginning of the schedule on Wednesday, 9.30 to 10.30, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips is going to make his annual State of the Conference address and field questions from the media. And I find that coming up to be really extremely interesting to see how this all plays out. Is Phillips going to be more proactive or more reactive in his comments about what's happened with USC and UCLA moving on to the uh, Big Ten from the Pac-12 and how that is going to indeed affect the ACC. It's it's simply going to be really, really interesting to see uh, what kind of tone he presents in those comments. My guess is he's going to preach harmony. Uh, Brett Yormack, the new Big 12 commissioner, they're the only other conference to have media days so far, said, you know, we're open for business. And I think that's kind of the tone that Phillips is going to have for the ACC. He's going to talk about harmony. He's going to talk about everyone being on the same page to make the ACC the best possible conference it can be moving forward. So whether that means it's going to add teams, whether that means it's going to expect to lose teams, whether that means it's going to expect to look to maybe merge with an existing conference, I think everything's in play. One thing's for sure, though, Wes, with the grant of rights situation, the ACC, it really locks the teams in in the near term. Sure, they could figure out a way to buy out uh, the grant of rights arrangement and, you know, understand that they're going to lose media rights. But that's a really long time to 2036. And I don't think schools are ready to take that kind of approach. Now, as each year moves forward, I think those things are going to change because administrators and financial folks at these institutions are going to take a look at the numbers as they crunch them each year and start to get a better feel for, well, if we pull out and have to pay a buyout fee and we lose media rights, what's that going to cost uh, measured up against moving into a new conference that's paying out bigger revenue each year and kind of putting those numbers on paper and seeing how that works out. But I think it's going to be real interesting. Uh, Jim Phillips is going to set the tone for where the ACC is, what the conference is thinking. And, again, I really think they're going to preach harmony at this week's media day. Brad, you mentioned ACC kickoff as it relates to realignment, but there are other storylines happening. What else should we be on the lookout for? Well, a couple other bullet points I had, Wes, with, were these. Uh, I think it's going to be real interesting to hear what the coaches think about this realignment. Sure, a lot of it's out of their control, being handled by athletic directors and uh, chancellors and presidents of institutions. But I, I think it's really going to be interesting to see again are they going to preach harmony? Are they going to preach about the strength of the ACC? There are no bigger advocates than for the conference programs than the head coaches. So it will be very interesting to, to, to hear what Adino Babers has to say. This will be the first time the media has had a chance to talk to him about realignment. He's always been cagey at these kind of events and giving too much away, but it will be interesting to see how much of his personal thoughts he shares and then, of course, with a big name like Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, you know, really, and Mac Brown at North Carolina, uh, longtime coaches, to see, you know, where, where the, the coaches' mindset is, what they're thinking as they see other teams moving about in different conferences. And then, uh, real interesting for the players, you know, it's interesting to see that 
the seven Atlantic Division teams are all bringing a quarterback to that event. And what that says to me is, of course, Syracuse will play those six teams in its schedule, and they're going to be going up against really top quarterbacks for the other conference, other division teams this year. And interesting on the Syracuse players that will be attending. Their quarterback, Garrett Trader, uh, the leader of the team at this point, and be real interesting to see how he, uh, the comments he shares as he's really, you know, expected to take a big leap this year in leading the team offensively. Matthew Bergeron is a great personality on the offensive line, as is Mikel Jones defensively at the linebacker spot. Also thought it was interesting that, you know, people are questioning why not a Sean Tucker at this event? Well, a couple things on that. Number one, if you bring Sean Tucker when he still has eligibility, it's kind of like hinting that, you know, maybe indeed he's not going to be around after this season. And I don't think Syracuse wants to play its hand like that. Number two, he's not always the most comfortable around the media in terms of, you know, giving long, explicit answers to questions. So I, I really like the three choices here. Sure, Sean Tucker is the big name and the media from around the ACC would like to talk with him, but I'm certainly satisfied with the, the choices of the players that Syracuse is bringing to the event. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I have a couple quick thoughts on football and basketball recruiting West for the football program. Really love the job that the, uh, the staff has done up to this point with seven commitments. The, the, the philosophy of Syracuse football recruiting target players early, go after them, and win their commitment, and perhaps an eighth player and running back Ike Daniels still to come. Really like that recruiting. On the basketball front, don't think it's time to panic. Sure, this time last year there were, a lot, there were more players that were involved with Syracuse and some making verbal commitments, but with the roster so sacked going into this year with so many younger players and not knowing the status of the players that still have eligibility following this season, I certainly don't, don't think it's time to panic. This coaching staff, certainly Jim Beheim, have been around the block or two uh, on the recruiting trail. And I think patience still needs to be uh, the virtue here for Syracuse basketball fans not to panic that there are no verbal commitments for the 2023 uh, recruiting class in that cycle as of yet. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Beheim's Army. They'll kick off the defense of their 2021 TBT Championship on Friday against India Rising at SRC Arena in Syracuse. Their most recent roster addition is Matt Morgan, who played at Cornell from 2015 to 2019. He most recently played in Turkey, where he averaged 22 points on 42% shooting from three. That's another great addition to a roster that includes Syracuse greats Rakeem Christmas, Tyler Ennis, and C.J. Fair, among others. I can't wait to watch Bayheim's Army take their best shot at repeating. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the bird, the bee, and the running child are all the same to a sliding glass door. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.